0: Hey guys, welcome to Rhetorically Speaking, the home of open-eyed dreaming and candid conversation. My name is Janice Clemens, and I'm your host. As you know, Rhetorically Speaking is sponsored by different organizations each week. This week, we are honored to announce our weekly sponsorship with Cafe Elite. This week's episode is produced by Soraya Donaldson, Kathleen Aspiri, and Addie Shepard. And we've got a few featured producers today: Sarah Wright and Ruby Hansen. If you are interested in being a part of our creative process or just being a part of our crew, uh, please click the link in the description below. Um, There's many different ways that you can be a part of this show. You can be um, one of our featured producers. Uh, We have different ones each week. You can be one of our sponsors. As I also said that we have different sponsors each week or you could be a guest on our show. Sometimes we invite some people to Talk with us and just see what you think um, about some of these books that we're reading. So if that's something that you're interested in, please make sure that you click the link in the description and we'll be happy to have you. So one of the segments that we have on this show is This Week in History, um, where we talk about things that have either happened today or sometime this week in previous history. Um, I started this segment about a week ago, um, and this was just based off of the fact that I know that we get media coverage for the things that are going on right now. I mean, we can easily be able to find out what's going on um, in different parts of the country or what is making national news right now, but not everybody takes the time to look back and see what has happened uh, in history, just some of the things that... um, I don't know, that have affected us as people and continue to affect us. So, I mean, I just try to look back and see what has happened in history um, today or in days uh, close by. So today I found one that was really interesting. It kind of ties into what's going on here in Washington State right now. In 1999, on this January 2nd, uh, there was a winter storm that hit Midwestern U.S., In Chicago, temperatures plunged to negative 13 degrees Fahrenheit and 19 inches of snow fell. They had 68 deaths and just the storm was a really interesting and um, traumatic time for a lot of them. Um, That is something that I related to Washington State right now um, because we got a lot of snowfall recently. Um, I am right now in Seattle, just checking on what the snow is looking like over here. They, it's really just kind of dying down at this point. Um, they're getting a little bit of rain right now, which is kind of starting to wash some of it away. Um, but there still is a lot of ice on the roads. I know there's still a lot of ice on the roads where I live um, in Kent. And I'm really hoping that all of this kind of starts to clear up a little bit more before tomorrow, um, because I do know that we are still planning on having school as a lot of you know I am a high school student and my school hasn't really experienced any weather issues so far this year um, and so I'm hoping that it'll stay that way I'm hoping people stay safe on the roads uh, while we all uh, plan on traveling to and from school tomorrow so that is it for our segment of on this day in history and I hope you found that interesting uh, with all of this snow. All right, guys, let's dig deep into our main segment of the day. Take a look at the book. In this segment, we talk about books that we've read in the past week or um, just in the past, and we do a rhetorical analysis on them. Sometimes the books that we talk about are on the number one bestseller list. Sometimes the books we talk about have authors who are just really well-known, like Shakespeare. And other times, we just read books that are suggested to us by our listeners. So this book was on the national bestseller list and it was also suggested to us by one of our listeners, uh, Mrs. Thomas from Kentwood High School. And so we're just gonna dig really deep into that today and just see where it goes. All right, so first and foremost, our book is called Just Mercy by Bryan Stevenson. And Brian Stevenson is our narrator, main character, and he's our author. So this is an autobiography about uh, his life and his experiences as an African American lawyer in the 20th century, and just kind of the things that he experienced and the things that happened. Um, so he started this writing this book when he was still in, uh law school. He went to Harvard Law School. Uh, He wrote it about when he went into his internship at the Atlanta Southern Prisoners Defense Committee, where he went to go serve some of the underprivileged communities and to give representation to prisoners on death row. Um, When he was Starting here, he was having some trouble in law school, just really with some of the classes that he was taking and it wasn't really clicking for him. And he was starting to wonder why he was really doing this. And as he got into his internship at the Southern Prisoners Defense Committee or SPDC, uh, he really started to find his passion for law and why he was really doing this in the first place. And that really did help him throughout the text to really, I don't know, grow into his uh, his title as a lawyer and really understand it for himself. Um, so a little bit of context and background for this. Um, a lot of the prisoners that he's working with are African-American or Latino-American or uh, their kids who are being sentenced to life without parole, um, just things like that, people in minorities. Um, he like He's telling us about the Jim Crow laws and how they were really enforced. Uh, the Jim Crow laws were laws that were set in place to help enforce racism in the South. They were set in motion in the late 19th century And the 20th century, and the laws were fully enforced until 1965. After this, the laws were, some of the laws were slowly being repealed or removed. um, And even though things started to be illegal or unconstitutional as it came down to uh, racist acts, uh, they were still done and they were still an American reality which Brian Stevenson addresses a plethora of times throughout this piece. Um, in my opinion, after reading this text and just kind of getting into uh, what were, I, I don't know, like kind of the themes or really the main purpose of the text, I believe that it the purpose is really to show the world that the justice system was built on broken cornerstones. And as it grew into a bigger structure that covered more and more ground, it continued to wobble and crumble down on certain people. But there's nothing that any of them could do about it because it was only designed for a certain type of American. The Founding Fathers say that we are all created equal, but what our country does to so many of their own comes to prove that not everyone truly believes that we're all equal. And I mean, that's just kind of what I got from the text. But then once I look a little bit more at our author here, uh, Brian Stevenson, just based off of what he wrote, not after doing any uh, research on him as an author or as a lawyer, um, I think he wrote it because he lived through it all. And he just kind of wants to tell the world, tell Americans or tell uneducated Americans, shall we say, that things like this do happen, and explain what it really means. What happens in America, It it's really interesting because it depends on who you are and your status, really, in America for you to experience, um, the American reality. He, as an African-American man, experienced America in a certain way. He, as a lawyer, experienced America in a certain way, um, which is different than the way that a lot of us will experience it. I know some people uh, aren't, you know, as educated as Bryan Stevenson was as a lawyer. And some people are, you know, some people are teachers and some people are, custodians some people work at fast food restaurants and some people are doctors some people work at bookshops and some people are entrepreneurs it really just depends on who you are and uh just how you view the world but this kind of gives us a little bit of insight into him and he likes to explain what happens and to educate the general public on the unstable structure that we call our criminal justice system He does a really nice job at explaining what kinds of things happened in the 20th century, but also how that carries into our lives now in the 21st century. Not to mention that things like this also happened in the 19th century and the 18th century in our country. This book is is a true American civic history lesson, in my opinion, and I really enjoyed reading it. All right, so now as we get into a little bit more of the rhetorical choices that are used, um, I have here with me two of my favorites, um, irony and paradox. Um, These choices are shown a lot throughout the piece, but I just picked my two favorite examples, one of each to uh, share with you. Um, So first is irony. Um, It was just situational irony, I guess because when we found out that Walter was from Monroeville, uh, Monroeville, Alabama, that kind of set an interesting tone because Monroeville, Alabama is also the setting of a very popular novel written by Harper Lee, and it's called To Kill a Mockingbird. And in To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, the there was a man, a black man, who was accused of raping a white woman. And um, despite his innocence, people were talking about uh, how he was guilty, and they didn't really understand the realities of the life of a black man being accused of something wrongfully. And I think when... Brian Stevenson was talking about how he realized it and he was kind of thinking about it. He was realizing that many people didn't understand the harsh realities of that novel and how they really are true, especially in that area. Um, people still accuse people falsely. People still um, don't look beyond the surface once they hear it and they just simply believe it. And it was, it was really, it was sad. But it was also interesting just because there was a novel that was published before this incident even happened, you know, talking about this and no one even paid attention to it. I don't know. That was interesting to me. And then my example of paradox was from a prison guard. Uh, When Brian Stevenson went to go visit one of his clients, Avery Jenkins, um, he was forced to strip search to get in and was not allowed to bring his client a strawberry or a chocolate milkshake. Um, This was completely inappropriate because as a lawyer or legal counsel, Brian Stevenson was not required to be searched on his way in, let alone strip searched. Uh, The guard had Confederate flags tattooed on his arms and also on the back of his truck. And so we kind of saw that underlying racism um, that caused all of this, um, which it was still unnecessary. Um, And we kind of saw how this judge, or not judge, this guard felt about African Americans and how he treated all African Americans as if they were criminals. But then the guard was present at the hearing and heard Brian Stevenson tell the story of Avery Jenkins, how he was a foster kid who was abused in some of these homes. And he also was diagnosed with mental illness and his parents were not able to cope with his needs. Um, And that completely changed him, the guard. The guard heard all of this and listened to every word and he was touched by it. The next time Brian Stevenson came in to visit Avery, he let him in. He was very kind. Um, he even bought Avery a chocolate milkshake to make up for the one that he did not allow Brian Stevenson to give him. And just the paradox, the, the difference, the 180 that really happened with this prison guard was very unexpected. And I don't know, I found it quite interesting in this book. So now let's dig a little bit into our appeals. Um, I think just that strip search idea that I was just talking about, that and a couple other incidences really dig into Brian Stevenson's credibility as a member of a minority. Um, another incident was his harassment. He got harassed outside of his home. Uh, he was driving back from visiting a client in Alabama. And because he lives in Georgia, um, back, as I said, for the Atlanta Southern Prisoner Defense Committee. Uh, he drove back and forth just so that he could meet with his clients. And one thing that we noticed was when he pulled in, it was kind of late at night uh, and one of his neighbors had called the police because they saw a suspicious, a quote unquote, suspicious black man outside. And they were concerned about their safety, um, concerned that their house might be broken into. They never really took the time to find out who he was or what he was doing there. He didn't even, he was sitting in his car, just kind of relaxing a little bit. Um, but I don't know, he caught, the police arrived and harassed him and he showed them his proof of legal license for being a lawyer. And he showed them the key to his apartment that was only a few steps away, but yet they still continued to harass him. And that's one of many things that he experienced and that African-Americans experience on a regular basis. So that kind of worked with him on just his credibility as a minority because all of the clients that he worked with were part of some sort of minority, uh, so to speak. Um, my favorite example, uh, example of his opinionated logic was that, He realized that over 50 percent of uh, prison populations were people diagnosed with mental illnesses, yet they were still imprisoned. And he didn't really understand why people didn't um, really reason with that and think about why they did what they did instead of just accusing them and realizing that they did do it and just throwing them in a jail that won't help them at all. Um, so that, that was just something that he talked about briefly, and it was something that really stuck with me. Um, there was also one of his clients that was a Vietnam veteran, and he so suffered from PTSD, and so he accidentally killed someone uh, with a bomb. It was, it was an accident, but it was just... Mm, People weren't really realizing and giving him credit for the fact that it really was post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, um, from being in Vietnam and fighting for his country. Um, So just things like that, the mental illness, the PTSD, which is a mental illness, and just kind of how that affects people's um, actions and why they did what they did. Uh, So just trying to work on getting people out of jail and getting them the help that they need. Um, And then I also want to talk about how he had so much passion for his work. Um, When he was working for the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a nonprofit that he started, uh, they were getting lots of bomb threats and they continued to get threats, um, but they continued to work because they had so much passion for their work. And, you know, back to the strip search and harassment and all the other things that he experienced, he continued to experience them all of his life, but he continued to uh, press on and keep working because it was just, he was so passionate about what he was doing. Um, I think one of the tones that I really saw throughout this piece was just optimism, and just the idea that there was more possibility. Um, The quote that I found for that is, hope allows us to push forward, even when the truth is distorted by the people in power. It allows us to speak when they say to be quiet. And for me, it just, it was more Brian Stevenson's mentality that, you know, innocent until proven guilty, and that anything is possible, and that we need to do the right thing, and that it's possible to do the right thing, which was nice. Um, And then the message that I got from this entire book was that even though injustice is unjust, there are people who can see through it. Sometimes it is possible to be freed from the stereotypical strongholds that society puts on you. Everyone has a chance, even if it's slim. And Brian Stevenson did everything that he could to uh, help their chance. So that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'd like to see some some description uh, clickers, people who are looking at the link below and letting us know what you think and if you'd like to be a part of our next episode. See you later. Bye.